As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. The sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount Plus. Hello again, Broncos country. Kev Dan here from Orange Weekly, and welcome to the post-game podcast. However, it's going to be a little different today as we're going to be the post-off-season podcast. We have a ton to talk about from this last off-season, everything from the free agency to the draft to the 53-man roster that was just cut down this last Saturday. Myself and Tanner are going to be talking about all of that, as well as looking forward a little bit to this next week's game uh, week one, Monday night football, Broncos versus Tennessee. It's going to be fantastic. Glad you're here. We are ready to bring you some Broncos content. So kick back, relax, and let's talk some Broncos football. Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news. Hey Broncos country, what's going on? Tanner Lee here for yet another season of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Switching it up a little bit this year. Unfortunately, my typical co-host Jeff Ryan couldn't be back with us. He's too busy, you know, being a, doing residency with his med school and everything. So, but we got the founder, the godfather <laughs> of Orange Weekly, Kevin Dan. Kevin Dandino will be filling in for Jeff this season. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, and as much as, you know, Jeff has done a great job with the podcast and hopefully he comes back next year, you know, I think you have a, a pretty good replacement here. At least uh, I'm going to try. I don't know if I can fill Jeff's uh, shoes, but um, either way, we're going to have fun, man. Hopefully oh, I, a lot of good things to talk about this year. I think you're the perfect replacement. We've worked together <laughs> before. I feel like we've got some good chemistry. We both love the Broncos. We'll we'll get enter- entertaining episodes out to Broncos country. Hopefully the Broncos do their part and get us a lot of wins this year. You know, that's all All we can do is hope for right now, right? <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we were kind of talking before we went on air. It's just unlike this is going to be a season unlike any season we've ever seen before. Yep. I mean, we've had no preseason games to view players trying to make the team, you know, who's standing out, who's looking good, who was almost in jeopardy of not making the team. Uh, media hasn't had full access being there. So we, we don't really know what to expect. I mean, the mm-hmm. Broncos did cut down to their final – a 53-man roster uh, over the weekend, and now got the practice squad guys. So we can hit on that here in a little bit. But uh, I guess what's your what's your overall outlook going into this season? So uh, you know, we I didn't say there were any bombshell cuts um, going to the 53-man roster here. Maybe one or two surprises, but uh, you know, if if anyone out there hadn't heard yet, so practice squad is normally 10 players, and you know they can only have a couple of years' experience at the most, I believe. Uh, but this year, the NFL has allowed up to 16 players on the practice squad, which six of those uh, are players can have unlimited amount of experience. So that's going to be really important. Um, you know, I, I said on last Tuesday's uh, 
preseason show that I just didn't think there was any way an undrafted rookie would be able to make the team this year, just because like you said, there hasn't really been a chance. There has been essentially zero chance, you know, for these young players to show what they have in a game type of setting. Uh, and then I was 100% wrong. So uh, for the 16 out of the last 17 seasons, Broncos have an undrafted rookie and we'll break that down here in a little bit, but I think we've made some good moves uh, either, you know, from free agency. And I think we did, outstanding in the draft getting you know hamler and jerry judy and uh oku way john but i even had it i was like practiced it 10 times beforehand <laughs> i can't do this i have to fix it uh okay Wubunam. and know. david can do it way better but anyway um yeah so i think you know there's promise around drew lock and I think we've given them every weapon that he needs. Now they're young and it's going to take, you know, some time for them to develop throughout their, you know, and create that chemistry throughout the season. Just like pretty much every team will need that has either a rookie um, quarterback or a brand new head, uh, head coach or offensive coordinator or whatever. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, build together. But over the next couple of years, I mean, if Drew Locke fails, it's not because he didn't have any talent around him. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's kind of like, you know, they were looking at this empty garage and then, okay, okay Drew, we're going to get you a couple Ferraris, a couple speedsters, <laughs> and gave him a few other things and then threw him the keys. Here's your keys to your kingdom. This is, offense is yours. Now go make it happen. So yep, exactly. they put all their faith in him. I mean, that that's big, big praise and big confidence, uh, giving the keys to the offense to somebody who's only had five games under his belt, but it was a good five games. It was a four and one record. He looked really good. So now it's on him. And, and I really think the Broncos' results are going to be on his shoulders kind of this year. I, I don't like saying that, you know, everything's on one player's shoulders, but I think the team's going to go as far as Drew Locke goes this year. Yeah, and I think that's going to be, you know, for the next few years, to be honest with you. You know, we have uh, a pretty stellar defense. Even last year they did phenomenal. Uh, and so I think for the first at least three or four weeks of the season here, what you're going to see is the team with a better defense is more often than not going to be the team that wins because uh, now you got teams like, I hate to say it, but the chiefs that are, you know, already firing on all cylinders. They already have chemistry. They have no new coaches or anything. Uh, they're going to step in and, you know, I can't see how they wouldn't go four and zero right off the bat, right off the bat. But a team like us, you know, I, I, I can see us hopefully going three and one. Um, but it's really going to come down to the defense there as they institute uh, Pat Shermer's offensive playbook. And, you know, what did, what did uh, um, Drew Locke learn over the offseason? What did he improve on? And yeah, he did well, just like you said, and going, you know, four and one out of his five games is phenomenal. But there were definitely some issues, especially after he threw a couple of his interceptions, he started doubting himself and there wasn't much chemistry there. So you're, you're right. It's it's going to kind of, you know, often going to rely heavily on Drew Locke and his leadership. You know, that's one thing we've really, really been missing since Pat uh, since uh, um, Peyton Manning left. And it's just been such a void on the offense. So between his playing ability and his ability to step up and lead the offense, I, I think you're spot on, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm glad you hit on that too. There's just been no stability since Bain Mains left. I mean, it's been a turnover, not only in the quarterback position, just offense overall. And now he's got some guys back, you know, Cortland Sutton and him by everything I've been reading and the highlights we've been seeing, they've really developed some great chemistry. Um, piggybacking off last year. Noah Fant's got that first year under his belt. Can he break out? Jake Butt, who I'm sure we can talk about a little bit more, um, looks like he's finally healthy and maybe back to 
playing like he did at Michigan when he was healthy and, and looked like he was going to be a first round or second round draft pick and then fell because of injuries. So, you know, a lot of questions still kind of around the offensive line. Got some newcomers. Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry uh, going to be the starting center. At least it looks like he's going to be the starting center. Yep. Uh, right tackle Jawan James not playing this year due to opt out. So yep. it looks like a great uh, great deal they got with a game and a half under his belt so far in two years. But yeah. uh, it's unfortunate. It is what it is. But yep. Elijah Wilkinson will slide in there. You got Dalton Reisner coming back for his second year. Garrett Bowles, make or break year for Garrett Bowles. Yep. Team decided not to uh, pick up his uh, it's fifth year option. Thank there. you. Fifth year option. Yep. I was blanking. Yep. Fifth year <laughs> option. And then you got um, Glasgow coming in at guard from the pickup from Detroit. Uh, hopefully he's healthy. He sprained yeah. his ankle. But according to Fangio, I think he'll be returning to practice this next week. So it's so a lot of question marks about the offense, but I love the pickup of Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Uh, it actually sounds like he'll probably be the number one running back. Well, you're paying him that much money. Yeah. You probably have to put, give him <laughs> at least to start off, give him a majority of the snaps, but I think yeah. we'll see a lot of Philip Lindsay as well. Mm-hmm. And then Royce Freeman. I mean, yeah, he's had his struggles, but he's got to be one of the best, if not the best number three running backs in the league. So, yeah. so I like those three. I think we're, I think they're going to help drew out a lot too. You know, that they're smart with the offense. They can pick up some blocking assignments, and they'll be used out of the backfield. I mean, Melvin Gordon was used so well in L.A. as a, a receiver coming out of the backfield. I mean, that was a strength of his and Austin Eckler's. So so I look for that because, I mean, that's something the Broncos have had a need for the past few years and couldn't fill it. So excited about those guys. Can't hear you. I think you mute, muted your mic. Yeah. Sure yep. did. Uh, <laughs> it's preseason for us as well, so uh, bear with us, guys, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna just get better as the season goes along as well. Uh, <laughs> one, one thing that you uh, did touch base on, I think it's something that everybody needs to keep in mind is you look back to the 2011 season after the lockout, and actually our own uh, chief editor David uh, posted an article about this not too long ago on our website broncosorangeweekly.com by the way talking about the the number of injuries they experienced in that 2011 season right off the bat with all those soft tissue injuries and that's you know I can't see how it's not going to be any different than that and so you know as as a fantasy a football player or you know football guy from the mm-hmm. that point of view you know it's going to take a lot of Work uh, working the waiver wire there because you're, a lot of players are going to go down. But in terms of the actual football teams as well, it's going to be you know uh, those teams are going to have to work through the waiver wires and really really be careful about who they're putting on their practice squad. Uh, and with all this COVID stuff, you know, if someone goes down and you sign somebody from, off the waivers, well, they got to go through the whole COVID protocol. And even if you sign them on Monday, the soonest they can get in the building is Thursday. Uh, and so that, you know, the odds of them playing on that Sunday's game is basically nil, um, at least for the most part. And so that player that you just signed is probably not going to be available till the following game after that. So there's going to be a lot of strategic moves, uh, going on. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see, especially how John Elway works that as well mm-hmm. as all of the other GMs, because these injuries along with COVID, I mean, it's going to be a quick turnover, just left and right, you know, and, and the team that can stay healthiest for the longest, especially for the first part of the season there is, is going to be um, riding on top, you know, there's going to be a lot of luck that goes into the season uh, amongst everything else. Um, but one thing, when you mentioned earlier, you were talking about, you think a lot of 
the defenses, the teams with the good defenses will win out a majority of the time the first few weeks. And, and, and that's a good point because it's going to be interesting. Depending on where you play, there's not going to be really a home field advantage. Now, you like the Texans, they're going to be traveling to Arrowhead week one. They have to play in front of 17,000, which is a lot more hostile than playing in front of nobody like mm-hmm. when the Titans come into Denver. But I will say, I think we have, still have a home field advantage due to the altitude factor. Yep. And you know, I was just thinking about that today. I'm like, you know, home field advantage usually comes around or it, it revolves around the fans weather um and some other factors like that um time zones for instance you know mountain yep. time eastern time whatever yep. but but denver's got altitude really nobody else has that so yeah. so that'll be interesting at least week one when we don't have any fans against tennessee yeah and uh you know we'll break down the post game uh from from week one broncos versus tennessee next week but you know i think uh if we can shut down derrick henry i think that is going to be giving us an 80 percent chance of winning right right there you know Absolutely. and we did a, we did a pretty phenomenal job last year of just holding yeah. him to nothing you know we uh we were the reason that they sat their quarterback and brought out Tannehill. Turned their season around, really. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we did really well against this team, mm-hmm. and they're going to have the same offensive issues and, and kind of warming up. So, you know, I think that's going to be a huge part of it. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, the altitude is going to be key for us. And so we have to take advantage of that for those home games. You know, we can't drop four, even three, three or four home games because no. going on the road then, I mean, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. Well, especially early on, I mean, you got you – got- the Titans, who were the runner-up in the AFC last year, yep. they're coming in home. Then you go to Pittsburgh week two. I mean, Pittsburgh's got a lot of question marks around them, especially can Big Ben stay healthy. But that's mm-hmm. never an easy place to play, no matter what year, or in, especially it's early on in the season. Then you got Tom Brady and his new squad, Tampa Bay. They look ready to make a run at the NFC title, if not the Super Bowl, but potentially they're coming in week three. And then, yeah. then we got a quick turnaround on a Thursday night traveling to New York the Jets team. So, I mean, like you said, you know, got to look at hopefully three and one, if not four and oh, three and one, two and two at the worst right there to, uh, to get going. But um, going to the defense side of the ball, we've covered a lot of the offensive side of the ball. The defense has me pretty fired up year two Good. in the Vic Fangio system. I love the pickup of Drew Casey. I think he's just a steal. I mean, we mm-hmm. traded what a seventh round pick, a sixth I round think pick. So. Yeah. Like that for him. I mean, he's a multi-year pro bowler. I think he's got to add a lot of nasty to that defensive line. Pair him with Bradley Chubb, who only played a game and a half last year. I think a lot of people outside of Broncos country have forgotten about Bradley Chubb, and that's okay because I think he's going to remind everybody how good he is and how much potential he has. And then Von Miller, um, we're all thankful he got through his COVID. He had COVID yeah. back in early um, March, April, April. Yeah. whenever it kind of all started. But he looks more fit and ready to go than he has in a long, long time. I think he's really motivated to have a bounce back season. And uh, I'm just really excited to see what this defense can do. Yeah, no, uh, you know, the the strongest point on the defense overall is Vic Pangio, mm-hmm. you know, and he can bring out the best in those players, you know. So, yeah, uh, Casey, they didn't think he was worth very much. So they're willing to take whatever they can get. And, yeah, he maybe had, a, you know, some some bad seasons here, you know, or at the end before they traded him. But Vic Fangio is the type of guy that can get him back on track very quickly. And you add someone like that to the defense, you know, you know, losing Derek Wolf, it, you know, those are some big shoes to fill. Absolutely. And Chris Harris Jr., that's going to be some big shoes to fill. But, you know, I, I think – 
I can't see how this defense isn't – what were we, top five last year? I believe so. Yeah, right so around there. We're right around there, but there's no reason we don't say no. top five um, again. Even with – even if we get some injuries, you know, Coach Vianjo just has such a talent for, for bringing out the best in those players, right? So, yeah, Nick, uh, Bradley Chubb is going to be the interesting one to watch because of the injuries coming back from. Um, he did – it sounded like uh, he just didn't feel right uh, one day uh, mm-hmm. during practice here, I think, last week. And so they, they took him off. It wasn't anything serious, but just really protecting him and giving him uh, um, some more time to recover. I would not expect to see him out there for, I mean, maybe half the snaps, maybe two-thirds of the snaps at most in the first week or two, you know, really get him back into it. Um, but I, I think when he is out there, he's going to be explosive and, you know, got to keep him healthy and then having him and the Vaughn Miller compliment there, you know, Vaughn is not happy with how he performed last year at all. You know, wasn't just his fault, but you know, he's talking about really trying to step up his game drastically. So having that one, two punch there from both sides, that's going to be huge for our defense. Absolutely. And then we go to the linebacking core. Uh, Broncos kind of did make a surprising move, at least in my opinion, releasing the veteran Todd Davis yep. who's been a starting linebacker or one of their starting linebackers since 2015. So now just the only players left from the Super Bowl 50 team are now Brandon McManus and Von Miller, which is kind of sad, but yet, you know, it's good. All new faces, you know, kind of out with the old and with the new. So yep. Alexander Johnson's kind of the headliner of the linebackers. He led the Broncos in tackles last year, right? But for him to just, uh, piggyback off that momentum going into this year. Josie mm-hmm. Jewell, now it's time for him to step up. I mean, he's kind of got to fill Todd Davis's shoes, and uh, he's had a lot of action as a reserve, but now it's his time to shine as a starter. Yep. Uh, we've we've picked up a, a few other guys here and there. We made a trade this week for a linebacker from Cincinnati. His name is escaping me at the moment. I might have this pulled up. I know we we traded um, defense tackle Covington for him, who we had picked up from Dallas. It didn't look like Covington was going to make the team. So, yeah, no, uh, you're exactly right. I mean, um, Todd Davis. Uh, it wasn't that he was expendable, but when you, when we saw how just awesome um, Alexander Johnson was, it was one of those things. Like, you know, it's just time for us to move on, and he understands that at least from from the um, you know, how we, or what he said, uh, following him getting cut and traded. Um, let's see, Mark Barron, Austin Calitro, and Joe Jones are the other inside linebackers behind Alexander Johnson and uh, Josie Jewell. Um, and so it, it made sense at this point. You know, mm-hmm. I think we are. You know, one of my big things over the last couple of years was, you know, it always seemed like John Elway thought he was just a couple key pieces away from getting us back to the Super Bowl. And basically for four years after Super Bowl 50 and when Peyton Manning left, it just was obvious that was not the case, you know, and this last year it really demonstrated. And so moving on from people like, you know, even Derek Wolf, uh, Chris Harris uh, and Todd Davis here, especially, I mean, he really, I think is changed his viewpoint to, we have to build through the draft. We are not close to a Super Bowl team yet. But if we really focus on the draft and really get, you know, these guys when they're when they're young and they grow together and they get more experience playing together, that's what's going to get us there. 
you know, to that point in the next three to four years, hopefully as, as long as we continue to draft really well, like we did this last year. So uh, it is good to see that mindset shift. And I think that's why you're seeing some of these guys that have been around forever uh, move on just because you know what, between injuries or their age or, you know, how their performance has been, it's just, look, we love you, man. And we're going to miss you, but we, we have to refocus uh, how we are planning for not just this year, but the years forward from here. Absolutely. I mean, he never wants to use the term rebuilding, but also I think, but, he's kind of, <laughs> but, but he's kind of also realizing, eh, you know, these guys are getting older and we can get some younger guys in there who maybe aren't at that level just yet, but they're going to be pretty quick. Yeah. And, um, and save some, save some money too. I think Todd Davis was owed four or $5 million in that range. So they can, they can save there. Defensive backfield is going to be pretty much all brand new. Uh, yep. AJ Boye pickup from Jacksonville. He's got to be the number one cornerback with Bryce Callahan, who we got last year from Chicago, but didn't play single snap due to a foot injury. He'll be number two. I'm excited to see what he can do. He's familiar with the defensive style under playing under Vic Fangio when Fangio was the defense coordinator in Chicago. Then we traded Isaac Yadam this past week to the New York Giants, which I was happy to see that. Um, he was just a guy who never really panned out for Denver. I mean, he's only in his third year, but I like how John Elway's giving guys chances somewhere else and yeah. getting things in return for them. So it's not just releasing a guy and, you know, hey, best of luck, and we don't get anything for him. So, yeah. so I'm interested to see what the uh, rookie cornerback out of Iowa can do. Uh, I know you tried to say his name earlier, and I'm I'm not even going to attempt it right now. I'm going to oh, practice. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, but, but we're I all practice. practice. So, <laughs> so uh, that's one thing the Broncos drafted a lot of guys with some interesting names. But uh, I'm really interested to see what these defensive backs can do. And like you mentioned, also we have an undrafted rookie in the, in the backfield. Um, 16th time in 17 years that the Bronx have had an undrafted rookie make the squad. And I, and, um, Bosby was the interesting cut, even though the Broncos did resign him to the practice squad. That was the one that did kind of get my attention mm-hmm. at Devonta Harris and Duke Dawson over him. But Hey, like I said, the coaches see these guys in practice every day. They know more than me. So I'm putting my faith in them, but, um, a lot of depth in the defensive backfield, but yet it's a lot of, youth and inexperience so so we will see how these guys grow as the years go as the year goes on you know overall i really think this team is going to be competitive for a wild card slot and and remember they are upping the number of playoff teams uh this year to was it tanner 17 total teams now or i thought that goes in effect next season no that starts this season from the way i understood it either way (laughs) even (laughs) if it is normal i'll look that up here in a second um you know, this, this team is going to be competitive for a wild card slot, but there are going to be a lot of rookie and just, you know, new guy issues along the way, you know, especially in this backfield here, it's going to take time for them to really learn how to coordinate with each other. And that's just stuff that you can't get from practice, No, you know? And so that's something we're really going to be missing from not having these preseason games is they are definitely a step behind, you know, teams that have had coming back with a solid backfield that they've had for years, or maybe just got one extra person or one new person on. So, you know, you're probably going to see at least in the first few weeks, maybe some miscommunications. Oh yeah. Uh, one of those things where something happens and look at each other, you know, they raise their hands or like, you know, I thought you had them. No, I thought you had them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind. Now, uh, Bryce Callahan, I know I've given him uh, 
I've given him shit the whole last sure. year. Uh, sure, I mean, <laughs> and we don't need to rehash that. It's not his fault. No, uh, it's but but what my concern is here, and I'm looking from the last, uh, you know, other than last year when he didn't play. Um, in 2018, he played 13 games, 2017, 12, 2016, 11, 2015, nine games in those seasons. So, you know, he's been getting more games each year, basically, but he still has yet to play a full season. Yes. And when we're talking about all these other possible injuries and needing to find a way to sell, stay healthy, you know, especially with Lady Luck, uh, hopefully on our side, yeah. um, that's, look, we, we're he is going to be good. He has a real potential of, of coming in and making a positive impact, but you know, it's just going to break my heart. If he kind of goes, if he goes down again, um, kind of like it has been with Jake, Butt especially, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad he made the roster. He's worked so hard to deserve this uh, and just love his background and, and his attitude throughout all these years. But uh, between him and Bryce Callahan, you know, these are guys that um, I don't want to say are more injury prone, but I- I'm, I'm more worried about them. Uh, and especially when it comes to Bryce Callahan and how it's going to affect us losing him, you know? Uh, so having Bosby on the practice squad, I think was maybe one of those strategic moves of no, he's not, you know, he does he didn't make the roster for a reason, but this is a guy that we definitely need to have on call for if something happens to, you know, any of them. But my worry is it might be knock on wood, but it might be uh, Bryce Callahan there. Yeah. man, And I think those worries, I mean, I definitely see why you have those concerns. I mean, you just read the stats. He's never played a full season, and he's coming off last year where he didn't even play a single snap. So I think until Broncos country sees him out there consistently, there's going to be that worry. And then we're just, you know, in years past, I mean, you look back with the no-fly zone, we had reserves that had a lot of playing experience. That's not going to be the case this year. So, So there is definitely some concerns with the defensive backfield, but hopefully they can all stay healthy. They grow as a unit. And like you mentioned, there's no preseason, so we're going to see some sloppiness the first few weeks. The sloppiness we're used to seeing in the preseason. Unfortunately, we're going to see that in regular season games. It's not just going to be the Broncos. It's going to be all across the mm-hmm. whole landscape of the NFL. It's going to come down to preparation more than ever and coaching more than ever, at least the first few weeks. Yep. We're going to be most prepared and um, disciplined, too, just discipline overall. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, but I'm really excited about it. I'm glad football's back. I can't wait to see some of these newcomers in action. Speedsters like Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Um, yep. KJ's banged up. I don't know if he'll be ready to go week one. But It uh, sounds like he they're at least mm-hmm. expecting he will yeah. be, but again, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you got him and, um, and Spencer. That will be the kicker, the kick returners, and I don't know which one's going to be the punt returner over the other, but, man, that's exciting. I mean, the return game is something the Broncos haven't had stability for, for years. Nope. Years. I mean, Trenton Holiday had his highlight moments. He could return three touchdowns in a year, but he's also got fumble five times. That was his <laughs> problem. So, so it's nice to have some speedsters back there, and hopefully, they're good at uh, securing the ball. And I'm just, I'm just, just once again, it looks like Ellie. I mean, we're going to see it play out, and then we can analyze it. But I think John Elway hit the nail on the head for the third second of the year in the draft. I just think he's been doing an excellent job. You know, I think uh, we've talked about this, especially last year and this year as well, you know, drafting, not just purely based off of ability, but based off of character as well, yep. you know, is you talk to a, a you know, college coach and, and the guy's high school coach even, and, you know, teammates and yeah, man, this guy is just super talented. And they ask, okay, well, you know, 
how much effort they put in. Well, you know, there are some days where he gives it 95%, but you know, uh, maybe consistently a hundred percent, you know, but he's just, he has that natural talent versus a guy who, you know what? He wasn't the number one guy on the team, but he was the guy that gave it 105% every single day. He stepped up. He was one of the leaders on the team by far. Those are the players that I think John Elway has really uh, focused on drafting. Um, you know, Jerry Judy, I, you know, I expect that he has that kind of similar character. And I'm not saying that other players don't, but when you draft players right out of college there that have that kind of attitude, mentality, focus, uh, determination, that's somebody that you want on this team. I mean, any team in general, but that's, that's somebody who you want to build a team around. Absolutely. And I think that's why you're seeing so much positivity in terms of the, the drafts we've had the last few years and where we're at right now is because of those young guys coming in and creating that positive environment, uh, you know, that we didn't have under um, he who shall not be named uh, mostly because <laughs> I can't think of him because I scrubbed all my memories of him. Vance Joseph. There you go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but you know, last year, especially with coach Angio coming in, it, it just sounds like from the player's perspective that yeah, they weren't winning, but they were a lot closer group. Um, and you know, that's, that's an aspect that people don't talk about very much because you're looking at the stats, you're looking at the, the win loss record. Um, but if you look back in a big picture overall, the last few years, you know, we've, we have made strides and I think this year is going to be a huge stride for us, although it's going to be, you know, not very pretty at times, but you know, there's, there's real promise for this team moving forward. And I, and before I forget, I do want to go back really quickly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was incorrect with 17 teams, but uh, they have approved the 14 team uh, postseason starting this 2020 season. Okay. Uh, so seven teams in each conference instead of the six that had been standard uh, and also eliminate a first round buy for all but the number one seed in each uh, conference there. So that is going to affect, uh, affect next year. Uh, there'll be more changes next year based off the, the recent CBA. Um, but anyway, yeah, you, I think we could talk all day about the draft and, and John Elway's attitude, and I'm okay with going more into it, but but bottom line, Elway's mentality change that we had been preaching for at least a full year, so maybe he is listening to us. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so if you are listening, we love John Elway. If you want to come on the show, we'd love to have you. <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's good to see that that mindset change because that's where we're – that's what's going to get us – in a really competitive spot, especially playing Kansas city every two years consistently uh, and have a chance to beat them, you know, and they're not going to be this giant uh, when it, in, in the AFC and the AFC West there, we're going to be able to challenge them every single time. Yeah. We've, um, we've identified that they are the team to be hunted. We're, we're the hunters right now. You know, we were the hunted for underpaid Manning when we won, um, four straight and actually five straight Dame back to Tim Tebow, five straight AFC West titles. Now it's kind of turned into the chiefs division, at least for now. So we got to catch up to them first before we can even get into the driver's seat of the AFC overall. Mm -hmm. So, so I like that they've kind of identified that and then they're going out and getting needs. I mean, that's why, you know, last year we just, we weren't putting up the points you need to compete with the likes of Kansas city. So mm -hmm. what's John do? Okay. We're going to get some speed we're going to get Jerry Judy. We're going to get, KJ Hamler, pair those guys with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton. Um, and I, I just think it was very smart to do. Um, and like you said, leadership. What John likes to do lately is drafting cat team captains. 
I think um, I don't remember how many exactly team captains there were out of this last draft draft class, but I want to say all but two, if not three, mm-hmm. were team captains. And that's that might seem like a little detail to a lot of people, but that is really important. Really important because you're getting not only good players, but good teammates, guys who are going to do the right thing on and off the field. And that's huge, especially in this year. You want guys who are going to do the right thing off the field because you get somebody who doesn't take, you know, this, these COVID parameters and, and precautions seriously, they can ruin it for everybody. So, so I think John's really, with his mistakes in the past drafting, he finally came up with a formula that seems to work, at least at this point. You know what, what it might have been, other than us saying it on, on our shows and podcasts for a while? It might have been when Chad Kelly broke into somebody's <laughs> house after getting high and drunk, whatever he was alleged doing, you know, and uh, in the middle of the night there. So I think all of a sudden we're really starting to look at <laughs> character versus uh, talent. So that might have been what really... <laughs> And I love that you brought that up. It wouldn't be a Kev Dan and Tanner <laughs> podcast if Chad Kelly in the in the vacuum tube wasn't mentioned because it just wouldn't be. I'm really gonna have to bring a vacuum tube on screen one of these weeks and just hold it up. Not say anything, just hold it up and, and our listeners will know. So <laughs> you uh, gotta do it right around Halloween for you know the Halloween parties Ooh, and yeah. just just sit there and be like, I am ready for when Chad Kelly decides to uh, come visit me tonight and uh see if we uh <laughs> Oh, good old flag. I saw, I saw the Colts did cut ways with him yesterday. So yeah, yeah they did. Free agents, free agent Paxton land Lynch. and Paxton Lynch Go and Trevor Simeon. Simeon. <laughs> That's oh, kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of kind of not. Yeah, uh, kind of more expected than anything. All Wilder's retired now, so yeah, I did see Flacco made the Jets. So they must have been really desperate. He can't I mean, play the first few weeks due to still his neck injury, but they, they're they keeping him on the 53-man roster. Wow. And Keenum's the backup. Uh, where is he now? I don't remember. Which one? Yeah. Cleveland, it, maybe? Maybe. Cleveland. That yeah. sounds right, but yeah. yeah somewhere. Either but, way. So hopefully Drew Locke is the guy to lead well, us where we go. And it comes down to that attitude. I think we saw it last year. He's poised. He's confident. Uh, he he is showing those leadership traits. Um, and he, you know what else? Uh, no other quarterback has really gotten that this offseason is nope. having the ability to pick Peyton, Man's, uh, Peyton Manning's brain. You know, they've had multiple phone calls. Um, I think before this COVID stuff, they even, you know, had some practice sessions together, you know. So, you know, Drew Locke is, you know, nobody can be another Peyton Manning, right? But to have that sort of coach, and I thought that's what Brock, uh, Brock Osweiler was really going to do. That's what I thought was going to give him promise was he was going to spend the time learning from him. And that did not to turn out to be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I see Drew Locke spending that time reaching out to, you know, and have the ability to reach out to someone like Peyton Manning, you know, that I think gives him a one up Great in, point. in addition yeah. to his attitude and everything else we see. Great point. And, and, you know, there's, there's still going to be some learning struggles. I think I don't, yep. I don't think Broncos country should think that Drew Locke's going to go out and just have a throw you know, for 400 yards every game. Yeah, 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 you know, John Elway performance or Brett Favre performance. <laughs> he still is kind of a gunslinger. There's going to be some maddening times that he's going to have games where he might throw three touchdowns, but yet four interceptions and things yep. like that. It's good. We're going to have to be patient at times, but I, I really do think he has, what it takes to be the guy. I I really do. Just from a small sample size, we've seen 
but I do think this team will go as far as he can lead them. And what we saw last year was how he kind of lost some confidence mm-hmm. after he threw some of those big interceptions and he almost threw a couple other big ones. Uh, and, and that just kind of threw him off. So, you know, not just being patient, but everyone at home, you know, I know it, it's like a step beyond just watching, watching the ball, but it's when he makes a mistake, when he has one of those rookie moments, how does it affect him? Not just for the rest of that game, but for the next game or two, you yes. know, does all of a sudden his game kind of seem off at times, you know, cause yeah, he is going to be that gunslinger. And I think they're going to Pat Shermer and them are going to just say, Hey, go, t- here's yeah. the play, but you go do what, you know, what you want to do. Um, so that, that, um, that ability to overcome those challenges and those mistakes, I think that, you know, this year is going to be sloppy, especially the first, you know, I'd say even half, but, you know, being able to tell if he can improve and not let those mistakes really hinder him and, you know, cause him to take a step back, you know, if he can move forward in a positive way, uh, I think that's just another huge indicator that he is going to be a guy that we can really lean on for the foreseeable future. But if we continue to see kind of what he did last year and yeah, I mean, I'm not going to discredit the, the four to one, uh, four and one record that he had, but you know, if you look back at the tape there at some of those plays, there was definitely a, an issue in confidence between himself and I think the receiver more in himself. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's going to be one thing that I think we all really need to look for. Yeah. You know, we're not going to I think we're going to go nine and seven and we can talk about that a little later, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, how does he handle himself internally? You know, I don't, I think he has those external skills of um, leadership and, you know, that poise and getting that uh, more of that experience, but internally, how does he handle those mistakes that he makes? No, that's a great point because he's got the swagger. He's got the confidence. Oh look to yes. Him, oh but, yes. And he's an aggressive quarterback and that's what we want him to be. We don't want, like you said, if he throws a multi picks in a game, is that going to affect him the next week to where, he tries to be more conservative. There's a difference between being smart and conservative. Mm-hmm. You can be aggressive and smart, but, <laughs> you, but you can't be conservative and aggressive at the same time. Yeah. So so we'll definitely see. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. I love the fact that I just read yesterday when he was at home back in Missouri during the start of the pandemic, they kind of had this table set up at his parents' house where it was called the study table. So it was Drew, his girlfriend, his sister and brother-in-law, I mm-hmm. believe, and his girlfriend still in school. So she was studying for some certain kind of test. His sister and brother-in-law are studying for like post-grad tests. And then Drew would study his playbook and all the plays and everything. And when they would be at that table, there was a no cell phone use policy. So you couldn't have your cell phones out or anything. And he and his dad would go over plays. He would write, his dad would call the plays. He'd write them down on the whiteboard and everything. There was pictures and everything on this tweet that I saw. I'm like, that's impressive. Yeah. That shows me, I mean, he's taking everything as in, as he, as, as he should, he's yeah. taking it serious. We're just not used to seeing that with the young quarterback. Cause our last young quarterback that we took in the first round wanted to learn the offense uh, from playing Madden instead of actually studying the playbook. So, so I'm interested to see. <laughs> I'm interested to see how all this preparation um, results on the field. And, and I'm interested to see Pat Shermer's offense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, when it, we did the complete, uh, we did a 180 when it came to offensive Absolutely. coordinator last year, you know, this guy who has zero experience mm-hmm. and, you know, just very clearly and Flacco didn't help 
his his case no. at all, right? Let me just stand here for five seconds in place, and either it's uh, you know Garrett Bowles holding penalty, uh, <laughs> and he hasn't earned his name back. We're starting fresh this year. Yep. Is Garrett Bowles now? If he reverts, then we'll go back to his other name of Garrett Holds. But for now, you know. But that was the thing. I'm going to stand here for five seconds, seem mm-hmm. like five minutes, and either he gets sacked or he throws a terrible throw and interception or. Um, you know, Garrett Bowles gets that holding penalty because he's just trying to keep him. So mm-hmm. having that mobile quarterback there is going to be huge. Um, but having a offensive coordinator who has not only years of offensive experience, but also that head coach experience. And he didn't always do fantastic as a head coach, and that's fine, you know, but that that says a lot about what type of experience he's bringing in versus what we had last year. Sorry, I had to mute my mic. Oh, my dog uh, barking. My dogs were shaking earlier. It seems like all of a sudden I hit record and they're just like, we need to shake everywhere. Yeah. So, (laughs) no, you're good. (laughs) But uh, I guess, and I know we're a post-game podcast and we also have a pre-game podcast, so we're going to let a majority of the pre-game notes go to them. But the next time we talk will be after the Tuesday after the Titans Broncos season opener on Monday night football. So I want to ask you this question before we wrap things up. What are a few things you're, you're looking at going into that Titan game? What are the few things the Broncos have to do to become victorious? You know, it sounds simple, um, but there's a lot of emphasis on it. They have to be prepared. They have to play smart. You know, it, these players aren't going to hold back. Uh, as they shouldn't, right? But that's, you know, those injuries, especially week one and two, I think are going to be really high for all 32 teams. Um, And uh, knock on wood that we're one of the few that escape with, you know, hopefully none or just a few there, right? But um, we have to play smart on special teams, offense, defense, coaches need to be on their game, right? Uh, the players on the practice squad, they have got to be ready to step up at a moment's notice. So those are just, you know, going into this game, those are some of the big things right off the bat. Um, the defense, like I said before, the defense is going to what I think really wins all different teams' games in the first at least two, if not three weeks. Uh, and so, yeah, we're playing Tom Brady week three, but – if our defense is just firing on all cylinders and Tom Brady is still learning the new playbook with the new players, you know, and who knows how many injuries they've had by that point. Um, yeah, I think we have a really solid chance against them, uh, against them right? So, um, and we also just need to um, look to those players that have been there for a few years and they need to, yeah, we're a very young team. I think what the average age on the offense is 25 yeah, I think Melvin Gordon, the oldest on offense, and he's only 28, I yeah. say. So. so I think the average, so it is tough for, you know, we don't have a Derek Wolf. We don't have a Chris Harris Jr. anymore. We don't have a Todd Davis, you know. So those players that maybe have only been there for three years, uh, maybe four at the most, uh, really need to find their inner leadership and step up. But this is exactly where that importance of how John Elway's been drafting really comes into play is situations like this. You have a very young team. No, they haven't been around for five years. No, they haven't been in the playoffs yet, but we need that. And so who's going to step up? Who's going to be that leader? Who's going to be the one on the sides? Uh, you know, Von Miller can't do it all on his own. Nope. You Look know? for the two safeties, I think. Yeah. 
Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. Yep, exactly. And so those, those are just some things that we need to have mentally ready going into week one. Uh, and then stop Derrick Henry. Yep. Make you Ryan Tannehill beat you. Make him throw. And then yes. that's where our defense needs to take advantage of those opportunities and get some picks or make some big stops. Right. Yep. And I think that's where those, that's our upper hand. Uh, mm-hmm. If Derrick Henry is running all over us, I don't know if we can win that game. Right. But um, I think that's the number one point of the game, uh, game plan. Yep. I think <laughs> inside linebacker will get aggressive. Yep. And make him beat you. Yep. Um, and, and then on the flip side, of course, it's going to come down to offensive line play mm-hmm. too. And, and protecting the football. I mean, Jadavian Clowney signed this morning, one year, $15 million deal with the Titans. I believe he will play. Now he won't know the playbook or anything. I don't think after the COVID test, right. but with a guy with that much talent, they can probably throw him out there and say, rush the passer. So, so, <laughs> <Done. laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll consider bowl. We'll consider bowls, depending on what side he's got to line up on. They could have their, um, they could, they could have a real challenge, but, um, but you know, the offense line just got to stick together and grind it out. And, and, and it's going to be interesting because both teams you got to think are going to be fired up that first quarter, even with oh, no fans yeah. there. It's the start of the season. They're back to doing their jobs. They're going to be fired up. But what team can keep that fired up energy, but yet not get too hyped up to where they're making dumb plays, dumb turnovers or uh, personal fouls. What team can kind of holster that in for the remainder remainder of the game? I think it's going to be a key thing to watch. I think the Broncos have the upper hand there. If, I'm going to say it a million times all through mm-hmm. this next week. And I think everybody is, if you can stop Derrick Henry yep. in the first quarter alone, they're going to get frustrated. They're going to get down. They're going to get tired being at the altitude and not having played at all yet. This, you know, I don't care how many scrimmages you do, but going into real game, you know, full on hitting uh, speed, everything. If, if they get demoralized early, Oh, then all we have to do is play smart, you know, yep move the ball consistently down the field, don't have any big turnovers. The Broncos have the upper hand easily. You know, I know the Titans, uh, you know, were what, second uh, runner-up in the mm-hmm. AFC West, but in this situation, that doesn't matter. Nope. Broncos New have year. everything going for them if they can do that number one job of yep. shutting down Derrick Henry. Yep. I, that, that's where it comes – that's the game. Yep. So – Yep, shutting down Derrick Henry, and I think just taking care of the football. And I think the Broncos can come out on the other side victorious and get the 2020 season, which is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before, off to a great start with a 1-0 record. So might as well talk about here because there's not going to be many other changes. Season projections. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a – I'm 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 right there with you at nine and seven, but but I'll go I'll go one game up. I'll say okay. ten and six, but that still gets us a wild card. I, I think yeah. the Chiefs. I'm looking at them being about thirteen and three range. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and uh, I I really internally am hoping for that ten and six. But I know mm-hmm. that in the previous previous years when I've been uh, the super optimistic guy uh, here at Orange Weekly, it always backfires. Uh, and Jared replaced me last year as the overly optimistic he guy. Did. And, he uh, did. You know, we're not mathematically eliminated yet, dude. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's not yeah. happening. But we're not math. There's, it still says there's a one percent chance. So he was still uh, saying it through the Brandon, the Brandon Allen era of those two <laughs> or three games, or how many it was. So we just need fifteen things to happen yeah, yeah. and us winning, yeah. and we're in, right? 
uh, if it was, you know, 16 different things, I don't know if it would happen, but only 15, right? So now Jared has to live with that from last year. But <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. I think we're we're all pretty much in agreement. It seems like most of the quote unquote experts, I don't really, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Everyone's guessing, right? Um, but the Broncos have the ability to really uh, make this season um, a momentum builder for themselves for Absolutely. the next two or three years. Yeah, I think they can make the, some noise and making the playoffs. I mean, I'm not expecting to win the AFC. I, I mean, like I just said, I'm not expecting to win the AFC West, but making the playoffs would be the first great step in that direction for the years to come. Yep. yep. 100%, man. Anything else you want to plug for Orange Weekly? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming up here for you guys. So bear with me really quick. Uh, we are starting our full lineup this week, uh, starting with this podcast. Uh, we got our Tuesday night show of Bourbon Broncos No BS. I will be broadcasting from the uh, Cork and Keg Bar in Castle Rock, Colorado. If you want to come by Tuesday night and say hi, uh, if you walk in the door and tell them that Orange Weekly sent you, you're going to get half off for your first drink. They have a ton of specials. I think last Tuesday was taco and tequila. Um, so it is Tuesday, but it is going to be snowing here in Colorado. So you might need that extra warmth. Uh, <laughs> to get you through the 70 degree change between today and Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it'll be the last Tuesday we're doing that show from there. But then David and I are going to be uh, calling, commentating, uh, commentating uh, one game a month at least from there. The first one's going to be September 20th um, against who do we play next or second? I can't remember. Steelers. Steelers. Yes. So when we play the Steelers, we'll be calling that game from Cork and Keg. It's right off the highway in Castle Rock, Colorado. So not too far a drive from either Denver, Denver or Colorado Springs. There's no fans the first couple of weeks. So, you know, don't have to worry about driving anywhere, you know, parking and everything. So come on down there, join us there. Uh, we do have another new show, new podcast called Ragers. So if you're interested in sports betting uh, or uh, just different draft strategies, uh, Raymond and Jared are going to be breaking down that stuff uh, for you. It's going to be fantastic. Jared is one, or uh, not Jared. Jared. Jared is not one much money, uh, but Ray, <laughs> Ray is a, a sport. <laughs> He's going to hear that. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to hear about it later. Uh, uh, Raymond has won a ton of money. He is just so smart when it comes to sports betting and looking at the stats and stuff. So that's definitely a guy, a, a show that you want to listen to and a guy you want to hear news from. And even if you don't want to bet, if you just want to hear what the lines are, uh, when it comes to the Vegas odds, that's the place you want to go. Um, so check that out. Uh, this podcast, that podcast, post game or a pregame podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Captivate, uh, and a couple other ones in there that I'm not too sure of. Uh, but we are pretty much everywhere across the board. If you could give us not only a follow, but please give us a rating on Facebook, on all of the uh podcast sites there that's what helps us out guys please 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 if you uh enjoy what we're doing please give us that five-star review uh that's what's gonna if anything tell us uh you know some more give us some more information on what you all think and if we're not doing that well um then tell us how to improve if there's something else you want to hear on these shows tell us how to improve and we're gonna add it here because we are do this stuff all for you fans and that's what our Tuesday show and our pregame show and our halftime hash show, especially our all gear towards is talking to you guys. So we have a full lineup starting this week. And I know that was a long plug, but Hey, we just have a ton of stuff going on and it's going to be exciting for, for everyone. Yep. Really looking forward to breaking down every Broncos game with you, Kev, Dan. And I think oh, we yeah. got to end this on a strong note with a go Broncos, go Broncos. Take care, everyone.
Coverage Weekly. Fans, brews, and Broncos news.